Last week, we looked at Matthew 6.33, and I talked about how that's a framework for decision-making, how Jesus said, seek first my kingdom, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. And we can make decisions that way. We can, we can look at every decision we face and say, if I go this way, will it help me make Jesus first in the world, make Jesus king in the world around me? Will it help promote his kingdom? If I go this way, will it help me grow in his righteousness, becoming more the person that I should be? Because if it won't, then I shouldn't. And that makes a lot of decisions for us. But I know there's a lot of people who have questions about how do we hear God's voice? How do we know when he's speaking to us? And I know a lot of us are, are sort of frustrated. We wish God would sort of break in like he did for Paul on the, road to, on the road to Damascus and just say, here's my will. We don't want to go out of our way. How badly do you want to hear God's voice? Isn't it worth pursuing certain habits? I believe it is. I, I believe it very much is. Now, we're starting with, with Isaiah chapter 30. Uh, and, and we'll start, I'll read a couple of verses before we get to our theme verse. Verse 19 is where we'll pick up, Isaiah 30, if you'll turn there with me. So the book of Isaiah is basically a book about God's people in trouble. They've gotten themselves into a ditch. Bad times are coming. Isaiah's job was to say, bad times are coming for you, Judah, and here's why. He wanted them to know, when these bad times happen, I don't want to waste the pain. You need to understand what caused this. And in the midst of all this bad news, there are these sprinklings of hope like this one where Isaiah basically says, yes, but God still has a plan for you and He will still guide you. So he picks up with verse 19. Where we pick up verse 19. O people of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. How gracious He will be when you cry for help. As soon as He hears, He will answer you. Although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teachers will be hidden no more. With your own eyes, you will see them. Here we go. Verse 21. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Wouldn't you love to hear God's voice and know that He's speaking to you? Whenever He speaks, you would know what He's saying, and so you would have His guidance. You'd always be sure, I know I'm headed in the right direction. I don't know that everything's going to work out the way I want it to, but I know that I'm at least in the center of His will. I'm not going to stay on this passage. Now, this is not the way I usually preach. If you're new here, I usually take one passage and I, I preach on it. Expository preaching is just my style. Um, I don't tend to like how-to preaching, because we get too much of that in the world. No one wants to hear Reverend Big Hair's list of 10 keys to your finances or your family. Uh, people listen to it, and they doggone well buy his books, but that's not biblical preaching. I'm not th talking about anybody specific, by the way, okay? Don't try to interpret that. But I think now is a good time for us to talk about some habits of life that people pursue who tend to listen to and recognize the voice of God and follow His guidance. They, they have these habits. There's seven of them that I've found. And I, I want to share this as a way of sharing my testimony of, of hearing God's voice as well. So let's get after it. Seven points means I'm going to have to go fast, which means you're going to have to listen fast. So no zoning out, no checking your smartphone, no, no falling asleep, okay? <clears throat> Not anybody specific there. So first one, first habit. First habit Read the Bible daily and systematically. Read the Bible daily and systematically. Everybody knows what I mean when I say daily, but what do I mean when I say systematically? I mean, have a plan. 
Don't just pick up the Bible and, and read what opens before you. Don't just say, like a lot of us do, well, I'm, I'm going to do it this time. I'm going to just suck it up, and I'm going to read the whole Bible. And you start with Genesis, and by the time you get to about Leviticus 3, you're done. You, you've got nothing left. You're, you're, you, you walk away. You basically take your Bible to the pawn shop because you're done with that. You can't do it. I'm saying have a plan. I'm saying come up with a reading plan that will get you through the Bible. I like going through the whole Bible in a year. I've got the YouVersion app on my smartphone, and it's got a little reading plan that gives me a chapter of the New Testament and a few chapters of the Old Testament, and every day I read that, and I get through the whole Bible in a year, and that's great. That may not be for you. You may not even have a smartphone. You can go to your local Christian bookstore and find one of those through the Bible Bibles that's segmented into readings, and you can go through it at your own pace. If you don't have internet access and you want a reading plan that you can use with your own Bible, you can come talk to any one of us or basically anybody with a computer and just Google Bible reading plans and you'll get more options than you ever knew were possible. But have a plan. Why is this important? Two reasons. First of all, because when you, when you read the Bible, God is speaking. We all say, man, I wish God would speak to me. Every time you read the Bible and pay attention, you are hearing the voice of God. Because the Bible is not a list of books written by people who knew God really well. If that's all it was, it would still be worth reading. The Bible is God speaking through men and women long, long ago to us today and for the rest of time. These are the inspired words of God, so every time you read it, God is speaking. And have you ever noticed that when you know somebody really well and you've talked to them many times, you can recognize their voice even if they're across a crowded room? I mean, when you were a kid and you heard your mom's voice, you recognized your mom's voice. Even though there are all these other people talking, you're like, uh-oh, mom's calling. When we learn to hear how God speaks by reading His Word, we'll learn to recognize it when He speaks to us in other ways. Second reason we need to read God's Word is because it is our standard for knowing right from wrong. It is our standard. I tell people all the time, I hope you hear me say this, if I ever say anything and you go, that doesn't sound quite right, check it against God's Word. If it's not in the Bible, or if it directly contradicts something in the Bible, please come tell me, because I need to be corrected. I'm not infallible. God's Word is. I'm not inerrant. God's Word is. That is our standard for knowing right from wrong. Let me give you a verse. Uh, 1 John 4.1, John writes and says, Do not believe every spirit but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. You know what I think that's saying? It's, it's talking about how when, when you have this urge or this feeling that I should do this or that, how do you know whether that's your own desires or whether that's God prompting you? When, when someone asks you to join them in some ministry or volunteer for something and you're like, eh, I don't want to do that, how do you know when that's just your natural fear or laziness and how, you know, how do you know when it's God saying, don't follow that? When you have a bad dream, how do you know whether that's a message from God or just indigestion? <laughs> how do we know? we got to test the spirits, test the messages we're hearing, even the advice of friends against what the Bible says. Because guess what? God's not going to change His mind. God's not going to contradict Himself. God is never going to speak to you married people and tell you, you should go marry someone else. You should run off with someone else. You should have an affair. God's never going to say that. Teenagers, God's never going to tell you to sleep with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. He's just not. If you think God's telling you that, you're listening to a lie. God's not going to tell you to do things He's told you in His Word not to do. 
I'll give you a story. Uh, a woman years ago had a dream that, uh, and in her dream, one of her children died. And it was very, very vivid and disturbing. If you've ever been a parent, you've probably had dreams like this. I had them several times when I was, when my kids were small. You know, my kids got to be teenagers. I, I didn't have those dreams because I wasn't working. Never mind. Um, <laughs> don't go down that road. But this woman woke up and she was just really shaken up. What, what does this mean? And she talked it over with her husband. Is God trying to tell me something? And so they talked it through based on what they knew of the scriptures. They said, well, people in the Bible, sometimes God spoke to them through dreams, but every time they could think of in the Bible where God spoke through a dream, the person knew it was God speaking and they eventually knew what the dream meant. Either they knew naturally when they woke up or there was someone there like Daniel to interpret their dream for them. He said, do you have any idea what this dream means? She said, no, I don't know. Is it a warning? She said, I, I don't know. There wasn't anything in the dream that I could do differently to prevent this from happening. And he said, well, and both of them decided together, God doesn't speak messages to his children just to scare them for no reason. He's a good father. So if there's no purpose to this dream, maybe it was just a dream. And 20 years passed. Their kids grew up healthy, happy. Everything was fine. They knew God's Word, and so they knew how to interpret what they were experiencing. See, it's your standard for knowing truth. Second thing, read the Bible with an expectant heart. Come to God's Word not as a chore. This is the, this is the bad thing about reading through the Bible daily. The, the temptation is to treat it like brushing your teeth, like taking out the trash. It's just something to get through so you can move on with your day. But if instead you come to God and you just come with an expectant heart and, and if your heart's not right, just say, Lord, my, my mind's distracted, but I want to hear what you have to say. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes I read the Bible and I walk away saying, huh, okay, that's, that's interesting. Joshua apportioned out the promised land to the 12 tribes of Israel. It doesn't really say anything to me. But sometimes, and more often than not, I see something, something brand new, something I've never seen before. It's always been there. It just never stuck out to me. Or something I've forgotten that used to mean so much to me and I've, I've sort of strayed away from it. Or something that just speaks into some part of my life where I've been ignoring God and God saying, hey, listen, listen to this lesson. You need to change. And I remember the first time that ever happened to me. I was sitting in church. I was a teenager. I wasn't in the habit of reading the Bible for myself. I had come to know Christ at nine years old, but I, I didn't really study the Scriptures for myself. But can I be honest? We're in a safe place, right? The sermon that day was really boring, okay? And you're like, I can identify. So I, I was bored. I, I couldn't stick with the preacher. And I didn't have a smartphone to play with. But I had my Bible. And I just started reading for something to do. And I read this verse, Luke 9.26. Jesus says, Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory. And I thought about how here I was, I'm a Christian, I go to church, I try to follow the rules, but mostly just to please my parents. I'm not really serving God for who He is. I don't really have a faith of my own, a walk of my own with Christ. And when I go to school, it's all about fitting in with the cool kids. It's all about being one of them and them thinking that I have it all together and them being impressed with me. And if Jesus came back right now and I stood before him in judgment, I'd have to admit, Lord, I've been living like I'm ashamed of you. And that just terrified me. 
And that was the beginning of a real change in my life. That eventually led to me standing up in front of my church a few months later during a revival service and saying, I, I've been saved before, but now I really want to follow him with all my heart. And that was sort of like a, a second conversion experience for me when I was 16 that changed my life forever because of God's word speaking. You see? Number three, write down everything you learn. Write down everything you It's God. God just spoke to you. Why would you not want to keep a record of that? Because what's going to happen is if you don't, you're going to walk away and you're going to listen to your favorite song on the radio and you're going to have a discussion with the guy over the water cooler and you're going to forget all about what you read that night, that morning, or the night before. And I used to carry around a little spiral notebook with a pen, and now I've got a computer, a laptop, and I just put it on a Word file. But every time I study, I hear something in the Word, or, or in some other way I feel God speaking to me, I just write it down. And the cool thing is, at the end of the year, between Christmas and New Year's, I sit down and I read through all the things I've written down over the course of the year, and I can, I'm able to see, here's what God has tried to teach me this year. Here's the trend He's taking me on. Here's the journey He's moving me towards and the ways He's trying to change me and grow me. So write it down. Even if you're not a, a big writer type person, you can write down, this verse spoke to me today and here's what I think it was saying. Number four, ask God about your circumstances. It's very common among Christians to say, well, I'm just waiting for God to open a door for me. Or, well, I knew not to go that way because there was a closed door. But how do you know that God doesn't want you to kick that door down? And how do you know that that open door isn't a temptation to go the wrong direction? Ask God about it. Ask God about your circumstances. Uh, I, I read a story about a, a young man who felt called to preach. And so he went to, this was years ago, he went to a, a, a Bible college in the South that was pretty well known at the time. And after he'd been there a couple of years, he realized this place really isn't for me because he, the way he interpreted the policies of that school and the, the kind of Christianity they presented was very legalistic and it wasn't very uh, spirit-filled and biblical. And they had some ideas about race that they tried to make sound like it was Christianity and it's really not. It's more, uh, it's more politics and, and he didn't like that. And so he thought, you know, I'm a Christian man and, and I owe it to the founder of this college who's still the president. I owe it to sit down and talk to him, not just transfer out, but actually sit down and have a conversation. That's brother to brother. That's what, what I should do, right? So he sat down with this famous man. The college was named after this guy. And he shared from his heart what he was struggling with. And to his surprise and shock, the guy got really angry with him. And in fact, he said, you, you can leave this college. You, you, you can transfer out and you'll never amount to anything as a preacher in your whole life. By the way, that guy, the, the young man, the young preacher boy, his name was Billy Graham. True story. Aren't you glad he didn't interpret those words as a closed door from God? You don't know how to interpret it. Jesus, Paul, story in Acts about how, about how he wanted to go to Asia. He wanted to share the gospel in Asia, which is today Turkey. And God kept closing doors on him. And he knew it was God. And so he kept praying about, Lord, why can't I go there? And then finally he had a vision that said, I want you to go to Macedonia. There was this man from Macedonia that said, come preach over here. That's what we would call Eastern Europe today. Think about how the course of history changed because God, through Paul, brought the gospel into Europe. And that's, that's how many of our forefathers and foremothers heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and our lives changed forever. So ask God about your circumstances. Number five, surround yourself with wise counselors. Friends, this is why it's so important to be in a church. This is why the Christian life is not a solo operation. And it's why it's not good enough to sit in a church pew. 
and do your time for an hour and go home. Why you need a small group. You need a group of people around you to love and to serve with and to share life with. People that you know you can trust that to tell them anything and they won't tell anybody else. And they'll tell you the truth about what they think about what you're saying. You need wise counsel. Here's, here's a scriptural backup for that. Proverbs 15.22 says, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. Solomon thought that was such a profound thought, he repeated it three times. That, that, some version of that truth is in the book of Proverbs three different times because Solomon knew you need people around you to tell you the truth. Need people around you to kind of bounce ideas off of and for them to say, no, you're not hearing the voice of God. You're crazy. Or, yes, that's what God's calling you to do. I totally believe it. I totally see it. Go for it. You know that Paul's missionary career started because he was pastoring, he was a, a co-pastor of a church in a place called Antioch, a multiracial church that was growing like crazy. The kind of situation any pastor would want to stay put in the rest of his life. And one night during a prayer meeting, the people of the church all rose up together and said, we feel like God is calling you, Paul, and you, Barnabas, to go take the gospel to places it's never been before. And that had never been done before. The idea of what we call foreign missions was unheard of but they listened to the wise counsel of God's people. And history was changed. Let me just say this. If you don't have people around you who you can say, this person's good at life, this person is strong in areas I'm weak, and I trust them, and I can share my decisions and my struggles with them and know that they'll give me honest feedback. If you don't have anybody in your life like that, then you need to seek it. You need to pray for it. You need to get involved in a life group here and find it there. And if you don't find it in the life group you're in, choose another one, but find counsel. And here's another thing. If you're convinced you know the will of God for your life and you tell your wise, godly friends what it is and they say, I don't think that's God talking, listen to them. They're not right 100% of the time, but you ought to at least take the time to pray extra hard. When all your friends say, wait a second, I don't think that's God's voice. Number six, be honest with yourself. Be honest and recognize that we have strong desires and urges and, and selfish natures. And some of us, man, we're just, we're just wired so that we like comfort and ease. And we're going to choose the path of least resistance. And when we've got two choices to make, we're just going to naturally gravitate toward the one that's less trouble and less work, and less stress. And others of us, uh, and this is not me, I'm saying us in the, in the theoretical sense, but some of you are like this. You're people who are risk takers. You like jumping out of airplanes, and you like riding a motorcycle down the highway at 90 miles an hour with no helmet on, and so you're going to gravitate toward the risky behavior, the risky choice, the big move. And some of you like conflict, and you like mixing it up, and so you're going to gravitate toward whatever's going to shake people up and make people mad and, and get them out of their comfort zone. Understand who you are and be honest with yourself. And when you're praying about a decision, recognize and confess before God, okay, Lord, if it was up to me, this is what I would choose. This is really my desire. So help me take that out of the way. Because I want to hear your voice. And if you feel like God is telling you to do what you would naturally choose anyway, pray extra hard and confess that to your friends and say, here's what I want to do, but you know, this sounds good to me because this is who I am and do you think that's right? Be honest with yourself. And then finally, number seven, ask God to confirm 
His will. I've been saying that in other points, but I want to stress it. God is not going to hide His will from anyone who sincerely seeks it. God is not into playing games. He does want us to seek Him. He does want to have a relationship with us. But if He has something He wants us to know, He's going to make sure we understand it if we're willing to hear. There's one of my favorite stories in the Bible is the story of Gideon. I'm not going to tell you the whole story now, but just the short version. Gideon was basically a coward. He was a weak man, a, a, a frail-minded, frail-hearted man, and Israel was in a time of deep oppression when they were under the thumb of, of a cruel nation that was enslaving them. And one day an angel showed up at Gideon's workplace and said, hey, Gideon, I want you to lead an army that will deliver your people from oppression. Destroy your enemies. And Gideon said, I think you've got the wrong guy. Now, you might think that if an angel showed up, that would be enough confirmation that it's really God speaking. But Gideon wasn't sure. So he said, Lord, I don't know if that angel was really from you, so would you do me a favor? I've got this fleece, this piece of wool. I'm going to lay it out on the ground outside my tent tonight. And, and when I wake up in the morning, if that's really you speaking, I want, the, I want the fleece to be wet and the ground to be dry. Next morning, that's exactly what happened. So he said, okay, Lord, that was good. But just to be certain that somebody didn't just come along and pour a glass of water on that fleece, you know the practical jokers around here, I want tomorrow for the fleece to be dry and the ground to be wet. And God did that too. And even after all of that, Gideon still wasn't sure. The night before the battle, Gideon's got his little 300 troops. And then the, the army of Midian is, is more than the sand on the seashore, the Bible says. And God says to Gideon, hey, sneak over to the enemy camp and I'm going to give you the confirmation you want. Gideon tiptoes over to the enemy camp, and when he gets within earshot of the, the, the outermost tent in the enemy's camp, he hears two soldiers speaking, and one of them says, I had this weird dream last night, and he describes it, and the other one says, oh, I know what that dream means. That means that Gideon the Israelite is going to come destroy us all tomorrow. And finally, after four different signs, Gideon is, has God's will confirmed, and he goes back with confidence, and he leads the army into battle, and they win. It's this fantastic victory. Now listen to me. Please hear me. What I'm not saying is give God some elaborate test. Lord, if it's really you, make the lights flicker. Lord, if it's really you, make him call me right now. Don't do that. You know why? Because we have the Holy Spirit. Gideon didn't have the Holy Spirit. We do. God's Spirit lives in us. God doesn't need to do elaborate signs anymore. God doesn't need to make lightning flash. He can if he wants to, but I think, frankly, it's kind of insulting for us to ask him to since He's given us Himself in the form of the Spirit. The reason I told you that story is to say, look how patient God is. Four different times He comes to Gideon and says, here's what I want you to do. Gideon's like, I'm sorry, I, I didn't quite hear that. God is patient with you too. So if you think, well, I can't really ask God to make sure I know what He's saying. Yes, you can. But how will He confirm it? If you're not supposed to put out a fleece, if you're not supposed to ask for some sign, how will God confirm His will? You know, Michelle mentioned experiencing God. I, I talked about it last week. One of my favorite books by Henry Blackaby. One of my favorite parts of that book is how he talks about how God can speak any way He wants. But these days, the way He tends to speak more often is through the Bible, through prayer, through circumstances, and His church. Let me tell you a story of how that happened in my life. 
okay? When I was growing up, I loved sports, and I played them too. Wasn't that great? Realized God has not bestowed upon me the NFL body. Y'all can see that. But I was good at talking about it. So I thought, well, I should be a sports broadcaster. And I was convinced that was God's will for my life. Went to college, got that degree. I, I called football games on the radio. I was pretty decent at it. I, I worked behind the scenes at Channel 13 a couple of years, learned the ins and outs of that profession, made some contacts. A couple of weeks before graduation, three weeks before my wedding, I get an opportunity of a lifetime, my, my first big break. There's a job open in a town, the, the TV station closest to the place I grew up. And I go down there and I nailed that interview. I, I knocked it out of the park. I was like, this is it. This is God just sending me the way I need to go. And I get a phone call three days later and they say, hey, good job, but we've, went, we've gone with someone else, someone with more experience. And that was a punch in the gut. We get married and guess what? I'll give you more details on this another day, but marriage turned out to be harder than we thought it was going to be. I, I was in love with that woman, but I was not good at being a husband. I just wasn't. I, marriage wasn't what I thought it would be. It was hard. I wasn't finding a job in my chosen profession. I was working as a warehouse guy for some company. I was unhappy. And the minister who married us, I, I talked to him about it, and he said, you know, all I can tell you is hard times should just drive you closer to God. And I didn't know exactly what that meant, but I knew I should be reading the Bible more, so I started doing that. And as I did, as I, as I got into the Word more, here's what I found out. The Bible is the only food I've ever found that the more you eat of it, the hungrier you get. And I just got hungrier and hungrier for more of the Word of God. And it got to be almost an obsession with me. I would wake up in the middle of the night, 2, 3 in the morning, wide awake. I don't know what to do. Okay, let's read more Bible. This had never happened before. I'd grown up in church, but never anything like this. And then something else began to happen. As I'm reading the scriptures and then going to work, every day at work, I would find myself, as I'm doing my little dead-end job, taping up the boxes and sweeping up the floor, I find myself preaching these sermons in my head over what I'd read that morning or the night before. And y'all, I've been in church my whole life. I've heard a lot of bad sermons. These were pretty good. <laughs> they, they were, they were not, not half bad. I, I would listen to these. And I'm, I'm thinking... What, why? What is going on here? I mean, if I were called to preach, that would be one thing, but, and that's when this little light bulb went ding. And I remember waking up my wife one middle of, middle of the night, just woke her up from a sleep, said, Carrie, I think I'm being called to the ministry. And the next morning, we get up and she's like, did you really say that? And I said, yes, I really did say that. And I, and I needed God to confirm that. I prayed, Lord, make sure that I'm, I'm really following your direction because this is not something I ever wanted, ever, ever dreamed of or desired. It didn't sound fun to me. And the more people I would tell, this is what I'm dealing with, they would say, yeah, yeah, that makes sense to me. People I've known my whole life. I called my uncle who is a pastor. I said, I, I need to come up and talk to you about something. As he got off the phone and told his wife, my aunt, and she said, I bet he's going to tell you he's called to the ministry. I was terrified to tell my in-laws. My father-in-law was a very successful man, good godly man, but very successful. And I'm about to take his wife to places where we'll live in single wide trailers and rat infested parsonages. And you know, the life of a pastor's wife is not anywhere as gl glamorous as it looks, I'll tell you that. My in-laws were thrilled. 
Everything happened confirmed it. And the biggest confirmation of all was that my young wife, who frankly didn't like me much then, and all the troubles we'd had together, she said, you know what? I've always felt called to be a minister's wife. And I, I figured God would call you someday. I just didn't know when. What she says today is, I always thought you'd make a lot of money first. <laughs> and then God would call you. But do you see what happened there? God used the circumstances of my life to show me I was headed in the wrong direction. He used the Word of God to, in, to, to speak something else into my heart. And then when I prayed for confirmation, that's prayer, then the, the church of God gave me the confirmation I needed, especially her. And, and I have never regretted that decision. You'll never regret saying yes to something you know God is telling you to do. That is my promise to you. Now, one more thing, and then I'm done. Some of you may say, okay, that's great. What you're describing is a lifestyle in which you walk this way and you hear God's voice. That's great, but right now, I've got a big decision to make, and I was hoping this sermon would help me know how to make that decision. Well, here's my advice for you. If you've got a big decision to make, you're not in the habit of hearing God's voice, here's what I would do. Talk to God about it. Tell Him what you're going through. Tell Him how you feel about it. Be honest. Be completely honest. This scares me. This appeals to me. Do the same thing with any wise people you know. Anybody. Tell them exactly what you're feeling and thinking. Then ask them and ask yourself, does the Bible say anything about my decision directly? Because quite frankly, if the Bible speaks about it directly, your decision is already made. You don't have to pray about it anymore. Just do what the Bible says. Ask yourself, is, is there anything, will either one of these options have an impact on my ability to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness? Because if one is going to lead me closer to God and, and help me serve Him better, that's obviously the one I should take. If after you've done all that you still don't know, then spend extra time alone with Him. And what I'm saying is, go without the TV for a while, turn off Netflix, Get off social media, whatever it is that occupies your spare time, your, your, your stray thoughts. Get quiet before God and just say, Lord, I'm ready. If you want to speak to me, I'm ready. And if after you've done that, you haven't heard anything, you know what I think that is? That's God saying, you do whatever you want to do in this decision. I've given you a brain, use it. If I had a clear will for this, I would have told you. Otherwise, you make whatever decision on this, this over here is what I'm really concerned about. Don't get all worked up over this. What you do here, either way is fine. But over here is what I want you to focus on. Does that make sense? Let me just tell you this. The clearest time God ever spoke to any one of us is when Jesus walked up that hill called Calvary and gave Himself over to those who crucified Him. Because what God was saying there was two things. He was saying, your sin is way worse than you ever thought. Because look what it's going to cost me. And my love for you is far, far better than you can ever imagine. Because look what I'm willing to do for you. And I'm going to destroy sin and I'm going to wreck it and I'm going to purify this world and redeem it so that it's going to be a perfect place someday to live. And I'm preparing a place for you there. Through my shed blood, you are worthy. And the best decision you'll ever make is to say, that's the story of my life. I'm saying yes to Him.